You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. So let's open God's Word together this morning to James chapter 1. And as you're open there, I'll just say a couple of things. I'm just amazed at all that God is doing here at Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Oh, at Harvest Bible Chapel. God is doing an amazing work here. And one of the things that was really on my heart as we were processing over really about an 18-month period, processing leaving and doing something different, was God, you have to bring a man that can fill this unique role that I'm filling. And I'm so thankful to Pastor Nathan. And just, yes, I'm thankful for the way that he's just picked up the reins, moved his family here, and doing extraordinary work. So thank you, Nathan, and thank you, Lord, um, for bringing him. I'm very excited about that. So you see up there on the slide, it says Roger Wilco. Raise your hand if you ever heard that term. Okay, hands down. Have you ever heard the term Wilco? <laughs> Roger is a lot more common. Roger Wilco is a little bit less common. Roger just simply means I'm receiving you and I understand you. Did you know that church starts at nine o'clock this morning? Roger, I received that. I understand that. I want you to be ready to leave the house at 8.30. Roger Wilco, I'm receiving you, I understand you, and I will comply with that. There is a distinct difference between Roger, I understand you, and Roger Wilco, I receive you, I understand you, and I will comply. Agreed? A distinct difference between one of, uh, both of those things. So that's what brings us here to the book of James. Um, James, at the heart of what this book is about, is doing the word of God. Um, they're, they're in trials and persecution. They're in tribulation. And James is saying, you can't just receive, I understand, but you have to comply. Wilco, Roger Wilco, I want to comply with your word. So today, if everybody has a copy of God's word in their hand and they've got their eyes on God's word, I'm going to start at verse 18. And I'll read down through verse 20, 21, and he says, Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be kind of a first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Powerful text from the Lord for us today. The main theme of what I want to share with you today is simply this. God chose by his will to give us life through his word. And we can say now that we have believed it to save our souls are we receiving God's word to change us? Now that we've received it to save us, or now that we've believed it to save us, are we receiving it to change us? So I have three questions for us today, three questions. And the first question is, are you behaving reckless? Are you pursuing righteousness? Look with me at verse 19. He says, know this, know this. He's just simply trying to get our attention. 
not like to bark orders at us because you can see there he says, know this, my beloved brothers. In the context of what's happening there, this is very important. And he says, my beloved brothers. God wants us to know that he's about to say something to us that's hard to hear. So he addresses us as beloved. God loves you. God loves us. And before he would ever sit there and give us instruction, he wants to embrace us as a, as a father. Know this, my beloved brothers, he loves you. Let every person, as we're looking at the text, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. What led me to this passage was in my own life, I get frustrated um, in my own life, I get kind of just like doggone it, just a little bit anxious with myself that sometimes I'm impulsive. Sometimes I'm just impulsive. It's a little bit of a long story, but in the chaplain corps, I pray. I pray over events. I'm at a retirement ceremony. It's, it's, a, it's a stage about like this with doors on the left and right. Typically at these events, I, I would stay for the entire event, but for one reason or another, I needed to leave. So I just thought, yeah, after I do my prayer, in Jesus' name, amen, I'll just leave out the back door. So in Jesus' name, amen, and I walk out the back door and out, you know, I'm exiting stage left. And I'm looking around back there and I walk through a door and I'm looking around and what's happening is the colonel, he says, oh, thank you, chaplain, for your, did the chaplain leave? Okay, well, thank, thank, thanks to the chaplain for the prayer. And then he moves on with the retirement ceremony. There's a couple hundred people in there. People are coming. The guy's got a 20-year military career. All of his family's there. And as he's saying my name and acknowledging that I left, I'm realizing that I'm in the closet. <laughs> it's not an exit. And it was a kind of a junkie closet at that. So I actually texted this to Micah. I'm in the closet Facebooking or uh, FaceTiming Holly my wife and I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm in the closet. I'm stuck here. I, I can't get out. She's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I was not willing to walk back out onto that stage and be like, actually, I didn't leave. I'll see y'all later. I wasn't willing to do that. So 45 minutes later, I come out in my service dress like, ah, chaplain, we didn't know you were here. And I'm like, well, I was in the closet. Nice ceremony. Thank you for having me. Didn't plan it, just, ah, just go out that door, no forethought. So it's just an example of impulsive behavior. <laughs> Honestly, if we're being impulsive, God's word says be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. The opposite of those, slow to hear, quick to speak, quick to anger, is really quite honestly, he brought us forth by the truth of his word, by his will, he brought us forth. The opposite of those things is just simply being reckless. Are we behaving reckless when it comes to God's word or are we pursuing righteousness? I used to fly helicopters, Russian helicopters in Afghanistan and in the back of the helicopter, there were no doors on it. And we had authorization to fly with no seat belts on which is kind of odd and kind of rare, but we did. So this Green Beret guy likes to ride in the back of my helicopter right at the edge. I mean, there's out and there's in, and he likes to ride right at the end because he's right at the edge. Because he's allowed to, he doesn't want to put his seatbelt on. It's reckless. Like, what are you doing, dude? Choose the path to life. Don't behave reckless. If we get a bump and you fall out, I'm not coming for you. 
put your seatbelt on. Don't be reckless. Are we behaving reckless as it relates to our compliance, our willco to God's word, or are we pursuing righteousness? Because God brought us forth by his word. So just first thing we should look at is we should be quick to hear God's word. If you're looking at your text, let that resonate with you. Quick to hear his word. Too many times what we do is we reject the word. Are we sitting in the back of a helicopter with our seatbelts on, or excuse me, off? Are we saying, Roger, I hear you, I receive you, but I'm not saying, Wilco, I will comply with you. I will comply with this, I will comply with this, but this thing over here, I won't comply with. When it comes to the Wilco, sometimes for us, it's, a, it's another thing because honestly, if we're honest, if we're not reckless, many times we just like to deny parts of God's word over our life. We just like to resist it over our life because it might be hard to grant forgiveness there. It might be hard to apologize in that area. So I'll just resist that part of God's word. He wants us to be quick to hear his word. He also wants us to be quick uh, to hear each other. I just went to a five-week leadership school, November to, and through in December. And I came back and I was telling a guy uh, something I learned at the leadership school. And as I was telling that, he, I, I kinda, he kinda abruptly stopped me and he said, hey, you know, when you were talking, you know what I was thinking? And I was like, well, you weren't thinking about what I was telling you, so why don't you tell me what you were thinking? Like we do it with God's word, we're slow to hear, if we're honest. We also do it with each other. Many times we're not quick to really hear. We're not quick to really listen to understand. Many times we're, we're slow to listen to understand. Do you see the difference? Are we really hearing each other? Are we really listening to understand? Example would be in our families. Are we listening just to respond to what our spouse or our child is saying? Like, I can't wait till you finish your thing, so I'm gonna say my thing. Or are we listening to understand? Like, put the phone away while your spouse is talking to you. You don't need, I, I, I rebuke this idea of multitasking. It's, it's not real. You can only do one thing at a time. You can do them very, very quickly, but you can't do two things at one time. The brain will process one function at a time. So if you're on Facebook and listening to me, you're technically just going back and forth very, very fast. We need to be quick to hear and understand and be engaged fully in the moment. That's what God wants for us when we're here in church to hear his word, when we're in small group, and when we're interacting in our daily lives. Second, we should be slow to speak. Slow to speak. You can see it right there in the text. God's desire is that we would be slow and measured in our responses to stimuli. Not impulsive and reckless. The reason we're in this text is because this is something that I struggled with, just being quick to speak. And I know that if we're honest, many of us do this. Think about your prayer life. How many times does your prayer life look like this? And all you're doing is talking. I love it if your posture is on your knees, but many times we get into prayer with the Father and all we do is talk. So we could be slow to speak in the aspect of our prayer life. We could be slow to speak um, when it comes to just ministering God's word. I mean, we've seen 
heresy out there. People, they get fired up about God and they just start saying things about God's word. So that's an aspect of our lives. We, we come here, we receive instruction, we get discipled through our small groups, we get trained through leadership training, we come to those things, and we learn how to properly minister the word. That's an important thing. So God just wants us to be slow to speak. We don't always have to be the one who speaks or leads the reaction, but we should be the one who listens, quick to hear, prays and responds in a measured way, pursuing, as you see in verse 20, God's righteousness. The third thing we see there is, is, is we should be slow to anger. Behaving reckless, flying with um, no seatbelt on, is feeling angry and allowing that angry feeling to drive you to a place of sinful behavior. Behaving reckless. Pursuing righteousness is feeling angry, which is a feeling that God gave us. It's an emotion that God gave us, but not allowing yourself to have sinful behavior. It's not at all that we would say that we're not going to feel angry. We know that. But it's about what we do when we feel that emotion. Here, James is right. Uh, he's talking to a persecuted church. He's talking to a people that are under stress. They're in life or death, situa life or death situations. And, and he's saying, listen, be quick to hear, be slow to speak, and be slow to anger. Like they're in a monumental situation. And sometimes we get ourselves feeling like we're in a monumental situation. I'm angry because uh, Pastor Tyler did not do this or he didn't do this and it, this is monumental and I'm just angry and I'm righteously mad. The church didn't do that. The snow's not a, that's the kind of stuff that we can, if we're honest, just get angry about. God wants us to be measured in that, not impulsive, not reckless. Be quick to anger does not produce the righteousness of God and I just want to say something about angry. When we do this, when we are impulsive and reckless and behaving in a sinful way because of an emotion called anger, when we do this, what we're really saying, remember, my beloved, this is something hard to hear. When we do that, really what we're doing is trying to usurp or grab control of God's control over our lives. We're saying, Lord, you've lost it. You've lost control. I need to take control of the situation. Door slammed. That's what we're saying. And I don't want to do that. And I don't want you to do that. We don't want to hijack God's control in our lives, allowing anger uh, to control us. So if you would describe anger as something uh, that you struggle with, the previous two things apply to correct that. <laughs> Be quick to hear the word of God, the truth of God's word in your life. Be slow to speak. Be measured in your responses. Seek his face in your prayer life. Deal with that anger. And you know what God will do? He will respond with giving you a wisdom and a control that is his wisdom and his control. And we see these principles in other areas of scripture. You see Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Proverbs 13.3, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Let us all do that. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? Love this part. There is more hope for a fool than for him. God, help me not be hasty in my words. Help me be measured in my words so that I would have more hope. 
than a fool? Are you uh, behaving reckless? Are you pursuing righteousness? My second question this morning is, are you regulating sin or are you reigning over sin? Look at verse 21. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And I'm gonna stop right there. The first part of verse 21, therefore, because of what you've just heard, because of what we've just heard, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. I want to stop on put away first. Um, now that we've heard this, it, put away, it's this Greek word called apotithimi. And what that really means, it was fascinating to look at that word, put away, it really means take off. And it's kind of in the context of like a heavy garment that's on top of you. And God says, therefore, take that off. Take off that filthiness and rampant wickedness. Put it away. And as I was studying this, it made me think of uh, my 19-year-old son, Ethan. By the way, Ethan is, he's almost 20 and he went on active duty in the Air Force. He's doing very well. He's at Keesler Air Force Base in um, in Biloxi, Mississippi, he's a medic and just is doing very well. Over the holidays, we were looking at some pictures of when the boys were younger. It was so much fun to embarrass them that way. And um, saw a picture of, of Ethan in a hole. And I'll, t I'll tell you the story. So Ethan is in our front yard. He's probably like a first grader and he's digging a hole. And I'm not like yard crazy. I don't have to have the yard of the month or anything like that. But I didn't want him to dig in the front yard. So I said, hey, buddy, listen, you can dig to China in the backyard but not here in the front yard. He said, okay. So he grabbed his buddies and they orchestrated an operation to go to China. And I went back there legit. And I went back there a couple hours later and I saw, this was the picture Holly and I saw, just his head covered in mud and he's standing in a hole that he had dug and they were piling it up and they were gonna use it later to make their fort and all this stuff. And he was literally just covered from head to toe. So super fun, he's covered in it and he wants to come in the house and I'm like, stop, get behind the hose. I'm washing you down. I'm taking, I'm taking all that off of you. It was just all over him. Take it off, put it away. Just made me think of, of how we can really, quite honestly, be covered by God's grace. Christ shows his love for us and that while I was still a sinner, he saved me. But, but are we not day to day just still covered with our sin nature and God is pleading with us so many places in the scripture to take all of that off. And, and, and the rampant wickedness and the filthiness, I thought, you yeah, know, I want to dig into that word. And I, I want to dig into the rampant wickedness and the filthiness. And I'm doing some study. And I'm thinking about unpacking that for y'all. And I'm like, you know what? Rampant wickedness and filthiness means all of our sin. Whatever it is for you, and I trust the spirit of the Lord to dive into what that means for you day to day, whether it's impulsive, being reckless, whether it's anger, allowing yourself to sin, God doesn't want us to carry that around. He wants us to get rid of all of it, but that's not what we do. Honestly, many of us, I'm, I'm with you, we're together, like to regulate it. We like to regulate. We don't always take it off and abandon it. We like to manage it or regulate certain sins. People come to me with one situation or, or another as a pastor and a chaplain and I'm counseling 
And many times when I'm listening, after you've done this for a while, you can barely hear there's an identifiable sin. And I point towards the sin in their life by God's grace and say, get rid of that sin. And you know what people do many, many times? First, they blame. Well, it wasn't me. It was because of my dad. It was, it was because of my mom. It's, it's because of my wife. People do that. And then sometimes they blame their ancestors because of their sin. Well, it was because of my ancestors. And really, I looked it up on Ancestry.com. It was because of my ancestors' ancestors. That's why I'm doing that. I'm like, no, you're regulating this thing, allowing it in your life. It is your sin. You need to obliterate it. I wanted to hone in on this idea of the garment, of a heavy coat because something amazing is in this text. And I believe that you see it, but I wanna illustrate it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, church, you can come in this place covered in filth. You can, that's the good thing. I told Ethan to stay out, but not here. We welcome the filth and the rampant wickedness into this house. Paul uses this term, obvious sins. People can come in this place, and we've seen it at Harvest Granger. It may be you. It's all of us to some degree. But the more obvious sins, we can walk in covered in a coat of filthiness, of heaviness, and we can have victory in Jesus' name over things like hate. People walk in with uh, just bitterness, and they're hating their brother or their sister, maybe as far back as, as bad as murder. People can walk in and be redeemed from that. He uses the term obvious. People have been saved from drunkenness in their life. They're taking off the things that are on them and they're washing them off. Be like, I, I, I don't have to worry about gambling anymore. I'm walking in victory over that. That's what God wants us to do, to get rid of all of us like a garment. But are you regulating sin or are you reigning over sin? God uses the term obvious, some are obvious, some are not. What we like to do, church, is we like to allow things to stay hidden. We like to keep parts of our coat on. It's comfortable, no one sees it, less obvious. What is it for you? If you dig into the nooks and crannies behind the ears, is it unforgiveness? Are you holding that? Are you still angry with your mom, with your brother, with your dad, with your sibling? You kind of holding that on? No one knows about it. I'm worshiping here. It's wonderful. Certainly not picking on guys, but I am picking on guys. Pornography is a hidden sin, rampant in the church, rampant in our world. I hate it. I know you hate it. Let's hate it together. In Jesus' name, God wants us to get rid of all of that, not keep it hidden. Another nook and cranny that was in front of the ear. Come here to church and you worship and you, and you, and you praise and you're in a small group, you're leading a small group. No one knows that you're intimidating your spouse and your child at home. Does it happen in the church? We would be fools to think that it doesn't. It's the less hidden things. Listen, God wants us to take it all off, right? And just get rid of it and put it away. 
He wants us to get rid of it. And it's more than that because even when we say no and we confess and we get rid of it, there still can be a residue that climbs up on us. A gentleman came to me, he was struggling with pornography and he threw his coat down. He said, I wanna be washed clean. I don't want this in my life anymore. Praise God, I will agree with you, brother. It's gonna be hard, we're gonna walk through it. And, he, and put all the mechanisms in place, all the filters and everything. And he and his spouse are working together to get through that thing. Praise God, amen? And then I said, okay, and in this plan, you can't watch PG-13 movies anymore. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, listen, brother, there's enough sensuality in PG-13 movies where you, somebody else may be able to if they're not struck, but you can't. You can't even have a residue of it. God wants us to put all of it away, take all of it off. Like I used to be uh, kind of a heavy drinker. I don't know if I'd say, I'm not saying this about myself, but I'm just saying in, in general, um, I used to be a heavy drinker and, and, and it wrecked my life. Maybe I got a DUI or something like that. You're like, now, now I've got it under control. I only have drinks every now and then. I don't know about that, bro. That's like keeping one, one foot in the thing. For me, it was music and a pastor here at this church really challenged me and blessed me with this. I said, why don't, why don't you listen to this music or that music? You seem like we're walking away and we're listening to that song. And he said, honestly, those songs remind me of my old man and they stir up emotion in my heart that I don't like. It was residue, it convicted me. I don't wanna be celebrating a song that causes me to have emotion that thinks, makes me think of a sinful day. I don't wanna regulate that. I want to reign over that in the name of Jesus. One of my favorite verses, Hebrews 4, 13 says, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. No creature is hidden from his sight. There are no less obvious sins to the Lord God. And he's pleading with us, don't regulate that. Reign over that. Reign over that. Just a few verses before, verse 18, 19, 20, and 21, James says, each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. We don't want to be enticed and lured. So what do we do? I, I could probably ask all of you individually and you'd say, well, I need to repent. Praise God. This is a, a healthy church. People know I need to repent. You're right. We need to repent. Here's what you do with determination and zeal, no regulation. You go after it and you get that hidden thing out of the darkness out of the shadow. When we shine the light of Jesus Christ on our sin, he is able to reign on that for us. So if God is convicting your spirit about that thing, oh man, I, yeah, you know what? There may be consequences and there may be pain, but you will have the Lord reigning in that area of your life and he can and will uh, reign for you in a way uh, that gives him the most glory and gets you to the place you need to be. Okay, so it's repentance. Listen, if you're, if you're scared to do it, God is near the brokenhearted. Allow him to reign in every area of your life. Don't keep control of those areas of your life. And the third thing, third question 
is are you rejecting the word or are you receiving the word? And I wanna look at verse 21, the second part of 21. I'll read the full verse. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Here it is. And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Let me ask you a question. When someone gives you a gift, do you have to receive it? No? Can you, can you just give it back? Sure, you can give it back. I got pulled over a long time ago and I had, um, officer was giving me an opportunity to receive a ticket. And I was like, I reject that. <laughs> I just don't receive it. He's like, nope, look here on the gun, bro. You were speeding. Truth, can't reject it. Congratulations. Obviously, where I'm going is how we approach God's word. Are we rejecting the truth of God's word by his will, beloved? He brought us forth by the truth of his word. Are we rejecting his word in areas of our life? Repent. Are we rejecting the truth of his word in areas of our life? Or are we receiving it? And, in, and, and the way, you know, I, I, can't, I can't receive God's word boastful. I, you know, I'm talking to the police officer and I'm like, yeah, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that. He had to prove it to me. I'm all prideful. I'm boastful. That is not the attitude that we receive God's word with. If you look there at the text, there's the word meekness. Receive with meekness. I love that word now. Meekness is, is the attitude of a slave. I'm in total submission to you. You are holy, you are righteous, it is you. That's the attitude of meekness. I don't have anything that I'm bringing to this relationship. Um, it's, it's almost more than just being humble because I can be humbled by God's grace, but not necessarily be meek. Meekness is a total submission. It's a different level of humility, I would say. God's word says, receive with meekness. And then he says, receive with meekness, the implanted word, the implanted word. It's able to save our souls. That is so powerful. We're talking about the eternity of our souls. Receive with meekness the implanted word, church. No rejecting it. It's able to save your souls. Here's why. God's word is living and active. It's alive. It's not dormant. So if we receive it with the attitude, with the posture of being meek before God and it's planted into us, it stirs and it grows. We don't wanna reject the word, we want to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. As it's implanted, it can be nourished and cared for and new life springs forth. Don't reject the word of God, receive it. Allow God to begin to transform reckless behavior. Allow God to trans, allow God to enable you to reign over sin through receiving of the planted word. 
Instead of keeping it hidden and regulating it, we want to make it known. You remember that story I told you about Ethan? My son Ethan with the dirt and he's all over. What does God like to do with dirt? I mean, there's so many metaphors about planting and seeding. God's word is a seed. It's alive and active. And God likes to take dirt and stir it up and change and transform it and new things grow out. So that's the idea behind receiving the planted word. It's the one true attitude I wrote down that we must have in order to receive God's word. In order to say, Roger, I'm receiving you, Wilco, I will comply. This is the entire attitude that God wants for us approaching his word and each other. I'm receiving you, Lord. I'm receiving you and I will comply. We have to be able to receive the truth of God's word with meekness. And listen, this is just a fact. There's faces in here I don't recognize. It is not a one-time thing. I know you've heard that. I'm happy to say it again and again and again. And I hope that we're saying it to one another, reminding each other. This is an every moment of every day thing that we're doing. I want to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save my soul. God, help me in that. There's a scripture I love that says, because Jesus humbled himself, paraphrasing, this is from Philippians chapter two, because Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, fascinating, even death on a cross, that, but because he did that, that he humbled himself and, and he became human form and he died on that cross for us, that God highly exalted him and bestowed upon Jesus Christ the name that is above every name. And as a matter of fact, every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow. What part of our hearts have we received and we're just simply not willing to Wilco, to comply? The truth of the matter is to bow because every knee will bow nothing is hidden from his sight. So would you just bow with me this morning as I close? <clears throat> Before I can ever bow a sin, before I can ever, let me rephrase that. Before I can ever confess a sin, repent of a sin, before I can ever truly give God a place in my heart to reign with absolute control and authority, before I can ever really do that, I have to first bow my heart. If you see your heart as a, as a whole, every single portion of your heart has to be relinquished over to him, the ultimate bow. We are bond servants. We are his bond servants. We are his slaves with an attitude of meekness. Receive the word of God today. If you are behaving reckless and not pursuing righteousness, whether it's hearing, speaking, being angry, impulsive, if you're reckless, if you are regulating sin and the spirit of God has poked you today to say you need to confess that sin, that's an area of your heart right there. 
your heart right there that God wants control over. It matters not that we are at a church that unapologetically preaches the word and we get meat instead of milk and that we would be quote unquote growing in our maturity. It matters not. Growth in your maturity in Christ happens right now. And it's the feeling that you have when the Holy Spirit of God says, I don't have control over that area. And you might be terrified. You might be terrified that in order to Wilco, in order to comply, things might go wrong in your life. That's what he wants. He's able to save your souls. God is, our heads are bowed and I pray that our hearts are bowed to you in this place this morning. I know that you're passionate and faithful to your word in spite of this feeble preacher. I know you're passionate and faithful to your word. God, because of my love for you, my only hope is to see people passionately following after you. Is this a moment that changes lives forever? What about the fear of I work at the church or I've, I'm a pastor at the church or I, I, I'm an elder in the church or what about that fear? What will people think of me down with all of that in the name of Jesus? This is a place where we rush towards the Lord when he prompts us and we trust him in everything. No more regulating, no more managing. with fear. Fear in the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I want to be more wise than you. With fear, I run to you, shake in knees and say, oh Lord, my God, I repent. Wash me clean. Wash me clean the hidden things. Reveal to me the things that I didn't even know. Bring to my spirit, oh God, if I'm holding unforgiveness or harboring bitterness in my life. Bring to my spirit, oh God, let me repent right now. I don't want anything between you and I. As Brent closes with the song and Micah and they lead us, if you feel like you wanna come up here and confess your sins to Jesus Christ for the first time, run and do that, praise God. It's able to save your souls. If you wanna come up here and kneel, you wanna kneel right there, God knows your heart. But if I could just get the pastors up here and the elders up here to just receive people, let's just spend this time in the Lord repenting. Let's spend this time in the Lord going, Lord, I receive you and now I wanna comply. We trust him. We love you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.